Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would Hallelujah. like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Hallelujah. Thomas, you, got a Bible, you can you find can us on the web at revivallife.church. We're going to wind up in 15, but we're continuing our message series, Abraham, the journey to the promise. How many of you are ready to come into the promised land? How many of you are like, I've, yeah, amen, amen, I, I'm done, I'm done wandering, I'm ready to come into the promised land. I hope, I hope, uh, you know, I'm not the only one here. And um, I, 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 I know that the Lord is speaking in our house. Um, there, you know, there's times in our life that we know that there's lessons that we need to learn. Right. We know there's times in our lives where we're like, OK, I don't have all the information that I have to make the decisions I need to make. And so I'm in a time of learning so I can make better decisions. Then there's other times in our life where it's like we made some mistakes. And when we make some mistakes, like we have a couple options. Oh, we can double down on those mistakes and say, I just choose to be a person who makes mistakes, right? Uh, or we can say, I want to I humble myself. I want to learn from these mistakes. And I want to grow so I don't have to repeat these mistakes, right? Now, we got to make these choices on purpose. They don't happen accidentally. We need to make these choices on purpose. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm at a place in life where I'm ready to... I'm ready to um, I'm ready to get the points that I've been missing. I'm I'm ready to uh, get the lessons learned that will bring me into what God has for me. So I don't have to keep learning the same things over and over and over again. And and as a church, we want to move into what God has for us. And we know we need to slow down. We need to pay attention to what's happened and what's happening and, and, and we want to make sure that we understand what God is saying. There's a lot of people with a lot of opinions. And I want to make sure I understand what God is saying to me, to our church and our community in this season. And, and I believe that the scriptures speak to that. And I believe that we're in a prophetic season. I believe the Lord is speaking prophetically to our house. I believe since Bishop Sharona came, I, I, I've sensed this shift. I hope you have as well. And um, I want to pick up our story as we've been telling it of Abraham and his journey to the promise in, uh, in Genesis chapter uh, 15. But it's going to take me a second. Let's start here with Genesis chapter 15. I want to show you where we're going. Genesis chapter 15, you've got your Bible, go ahead. And it's the first book of the Bible. It's the very beginning. We're going to start in verse 1, if you would, please. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abraham. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Leave that up for a second if you would. Now, how many of you would like to hear God say, do not fear, Zoe, I am a shield to you. Do not fear, Chelsea, your reward will be very great. Now, we read this and I hear that and I say, that I I, I would like God to say that to me. Amen? Yeah, I would, I would like that. I would like the booming voice of heaven, be it from a dream, be it from a prophet, be it from a, a vision, be it from just reading the word and it jumping out to me. I would like to hear that over, over my life. Amen? Now, now, here's what we tend to do as Christians. And this is, uh, we're going to kind of get in the weeds this morning. We're going to kind of dig deep into the scriptures and mine it for its wisdom. We love this second part of Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, but we skip right over the first half where it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Now, if we want the second half of this, we better understand the first half of this. And we read the Bible and we find things we like, we're like, I'm going to hold on to that. Instead of figuring out what it took to get that. It's like saying, you know, and, 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 and my cousin said, you know, and after these things, I got a job as an engineer. I got paid $180,000 a year. My life changed. And you're like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get a job as an engineer. But after these things was something. And, and we all know what after these things are if you became an engineer. But we need to know what after these things were for Abram that he came to this blessing. Amen. So we're going to just kind of we're going to kind of put on our Bible study hats these mornings. This morning, and we're going to dig in the scripture. And, and here's what's going to happen. I want to bring you into a place of after these things so you can hear this word over your life. Amen. 
This is the goal, that we can position ourselves to walk in the full blessing that God has for us. That, that is the goal. Amen. There's a little call and response. We, we're going we're gonna to be involved and engaged. Now, we know that Abram was living. We're going to kind of get a running start here. All right? As we talked last week, we know that Abram was living around the time of the Tower of Babel. This is a, kind of a story in the Scriptures where people thought that they could build their own way to God, and they were scattered because that is about the dumbest thing you can ever try to do, right? Build your own way to God. And, um, and so they were scattered, and um, they, they went from a place, uh, uh, Abram and his family were in a place uh, called Ur of the Chaldeans, and um, they, they left that area. The New Testament tells us to find a city whose builder and maker was God. And so uh, as, as Abram and his, his father and his nephew were traveling, uh, and his wife, they were traveling. They didn't quite get anywhere, right? They were outside of the land of Canaan. And when they got there, his father passed away. And here's Abram with, uh, with, with no um, family, without his father, without a land, uh, without a promise, just wandering. And this is where many of us find ourselves. We leave what we knew to try to get something new, and then we find ourselves nowhere, Right? And so we can identify with this story. The story might be speaking to some of our lives in this prophetic season. And so God one day visited Abram and he told him, now he's in this place, he says, listen, I need you to leave everything that you knew. Leave your father, leave your customs. I need you to leave what you have learned and I want you to trust me, God says, and I'm going to lead you into your own land and that one day your kids would inherit this land that I will lead you to. So Abraham obeyed him, obeyed him, and he, and he journeyed into the land. Now, it's important to understand that Abram was old. He was 75, and he had no kids. So his wife was barren. His land was barren. God told him, I'm going to show you the land that your kids are going to inherit. And at 75, I'm not trying to have kids. Like, that's one of the last things I'm trying to do at 75. I don't want to be having kids at 55. I'm going to be completely honest with you. But Abram needed an heir. Right. And so and so he says, listen, I'm going to lead you into a land that your kids shall inherit. And he's like, this don't make no kind of sense. But who knows? Who knows what God can do? Because Abram didn't know God. And he's like, maybe there's a kid I don't know about. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work out. So Abram takes his family and he journeys into this new land. And he actually winds up in the middle of the promised land. And he gets to the promised land, and as soon as he gets there, there's a drought. Now, I'm kind of giving you an update here on Genesis 11, 12, 13, and 14, so we can get a running start at 15, all right? I like a running start. And so he finds himself in this promised land, but when he gets there, there's a drought. And he's like, man, what do I do with the drought in the promised land? Well, I know what I'll do. I'll help God out, and I'll go to Egypt because there's all, man already built something there. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll figure out, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get what they got in Egypt. I know I was promised this land, but I'm going to go over to Egypt to see what they got over there because that, that just looks a little bit better. So Abraham uh, journeyed uh, to, to uh, Egypt, and when he got there, uh, he knew, hey, my, my wife is kind of hot, and uh, Pharaoh likes to collect wives, right? And he's going to want my wife, and um, I'm going to lie so he don't kill me, right? And so Pharaoh tried to take Abram's wife, this gets, the story just gets crazier and crazier, right? The, the, so, so Pharaoh takes Abram's wife, and Abram lets him, which is crazy, right? And, so, and then eventually God is like, he visits Pharaoh and is like, yeah, this is not how you want your life to go. You do not want to touch my anointed, right? This is going to work out bad for you. And so Pharaoh gives up the, the, the wife, and he says to Abram, what? And so Pharaoh starts rebuking Abram, why didn't you tell the truth? Now, it's crazy when the world is rebuking the church for lying. It's in the Bible. It's crazy when the world doesn't trust the church to tell the truth or act righteously. We know that we've gone into Egypt. We have wandered away from our call. That is not my message right now, though. Take from that what you will. So Pharaoh, he kicked him out for, for lying. 
And so Abram, you know, he, had, he collected a bunch of money because he's like, oh, this is your sister. I'm going to kick your brother some money, win some favor for Sarah. He's like, wait a minute, that's not your, that's not your brother, that's your husband. Y'all get out of here. And so he lets, he lets Abram leave Egypt with the money. So he left kind of wealthy, right? And so he leaves wealthy, and um, Abram gets smart, and he goes back to the promised land. So now it's Abram, his wife Sarai at this point, his nephew Lot, and a whole bunch of slaves and, and folk, right? And so he's in the promised land, and Abram has been blessed by God, and he's been obedient to God, so God has blessed him. And he's blessing him in the promised land. Not only is he blessing Abram, he's blessing everybody around him. He's blessed to be a blessing in the promised land, right? So Lot, Lot is getting blessed because Lot is connected to somebody who's made a covenant with God. Because God has anointed Abram, those who line up with Abram are blessed, right? And so, so Lot was so blessed, he started thinking it was his own covenant. He thought he, he was the man who was called. He thought he was the one who was anointed. He thought he was the one who was blessed. And so Lot starts telling Abram, hey, well, I got some beef here. I'm so blessed that you're crowding out my blessing. He's starting to feel himself a little bit. He starts telling Abram, man, you're, you're cramping my style. You're taking some of my land. I, I, I don't want you bothering me. And, and, and Abram's like, well, let's see. I got a blessing. I got a covenant with God. You want the land? Take the land. You know, I got, I got a promise. You take whatever land you want, you take it, and I'll take some other land. You just... You go on, see, because Lot knew he had a promise. I mean, excuse me, Abram knew he had a promise. So Lot takes this little bit of land, and he's, 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 he's again, he's feeling himself. He thinks he's something special. And so Abram does his land, and then all of a sudden, there's some kings. Now, kings, you know, nations today are much larger than nations then, right? So they were little city-states, and there would be a king over a certain city, and there was a king over Jerusalem, there was a king... In Canaan, there was king. There's different little kingdoms, right? And so, and so they decided. Some kings decided. Oh, here, here's Lot. Lot's probably a little prideful. He don't have an army. I think we'll just take his land, right? They took his land. They took his people. They took his, his animals, and they packed them up, and they 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 took him into captivity, and all the people around it, right? And then somebody went to. Um, and I'm going to talk more about Lot for in a couple of weeks because it's a. It's a pretty good story. And so, so, so Lot gets taken away. And now, if I were Abram, I would have been like, hey, got what you wanted. You want to be on your own? You're on your own. Like, you figure it out, right? Uh, but, but Abram's a better man than I am. So Abram gets an army. He raises up an army. And he goes and he defeats all the kings that defeated Lot. He gets Lot, pulls him back out of the land. And now, now Abram is like a victorious in battle king. Okay, are you with me? Are you following along with the story? Okay, so now Lot is free, and then all these kings come out of the land. I don't know if they're fearful. I don't know if they're happy, but they come to meet Abram, and they give him some gifts, right? And, and, and so we see, we see um, he comes out of the land with all kind of stuff, and these kings come, and they come out to greet him. And we see Abram got this promise from God. I want you to see this. He got this promise from God. He went into the promised land, and it failed, and there was a famine. He didn't trust God to sustain him, and that led to all of these issues. Went off into Egypt, comes back, was unsettled. Abraham, Abram, at this point, failed to see that the covenant was with him, and he could not stand in faith and wait for God to bring the covenant to pass through him. Instead, he allowed Lot to steal some of it. He tried to give some of it to Egypt. He didn't trust God, tried to do it on his own. He wasn't able to stand in the promise because he had a promise from God, but he didn't quite have faith yet. He trusted Lot's discernment more than his own. He trusted Egypt's discernment more than his own. He trusted other people's ability to hear God more than his own. And he didn't stay connected uh, to, to, to God and his promise and didn't teach Lot how to stay connected to his avenue to blessing. Because he didn't stay connected to his blessing, he was unable to teach Lot how to stay connected to his blessing. So Abram had to fight a war and Lot had to go into captivity. This is a good word. You better hold on to the word of God in your life. Amen? I, I need you to see this. Faith is a journey and the word of God for your life will be tested. Let me say it again. Faith is a journey, and the word of God for your life will be tested. You ever get a promise from God, and then all of a sudden, things start falling apart? 
You ever think like, oh, now the breakthrough is here, the financial breakthrough, the ministry breakthrough, the relational breakthrough, God spoke this thing, and all of a sudden I see a, a drought. Has this ever happened to you? And all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe God lied. Maybe I missed it. Maybe I didn't hear it. Maybe it failed, whatever. And you're just like Abraham. You're in the promised land, but it don't look as glorious as you thought it was, uh, and so you go somewhere else to look for it. Get right out of God's blessing and start back into your own feelings. And then we get mad at God that he didn't do what he wanted to do the way we thought that he should do it. See, but the word of the Lord is going to be tested. And as we're learning in this story, of course there was a famine when Abram first got into the promised land because God wanted to wipe the slate clean and do something new through Abram. This was it. There was this negation that he does, and he wipes the slate clean so he can bring the blessing through you. And so God plants you somewhere that needs the anointing of God, and that only you could bring it. He cuts off every other avenue of blessing, and then we get mad that we don't got the blessing of the world. He's like, I have a better blessing. But our faith gets tested. Your faith will be tested. You'll get a word from God on a spouse and you won't get another date for a year. You'll get a word about a business and you'll lose all your clients. You get a word about your ministry and all of a sudden your ministry avenue dries up. It's because God gave you the word because he's doing something new. You see, he doesn't give a seed to someone who wants to grow a tree you already got bigger. He brings a seed to someone who want, he wants to grow a new tree through. And we get mad because in order to grow the new tree, you got to cut down the old tree. you got to clean up the land, and all of a sudden it is barren. And then you fertilize the land. You still don't got a seed in it yet. you got nothing. But what you're doing is you're preparing the ground for the new thing. And you can look at it and say, look, God, you gave me nothing. Or you can say, I know the process of God. I got this word from Jesus, which is the seed. I got the ground that I'm now fertilizing. I'm going to put that seed in the ground and I'm going to watch over it. I'm going to prophesy over it. and I'm going to watch it spring into a beautiful garden so that God can get glory. I didn't build off of some old thing. I built off the word that the Lord gave me. But you got to go through the testing first. Faith is a journey, and the word of God for your life will be tested. I often wonder what would happen if Abram would have gotten to, uh, to Israel, and he what was now Israel, and he would have just stayed there. And say, if I drown in the desert, God, I mean, if I die in the desert of, of dehydration, it'll show that your word is not true. What you going to do, God? I mean, I, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what would happen. He got to the promised land, but thought that his lack of rain would stop God from blessing him. Can you imagine water stopping God? How many stories in the Bible can you think of right now that God conquered water? It's all over the Bible. Water is symbolic, of course, for the provision of God. And we're like, oh, God can't bless me and I don't have the finances. God can't bless me, I'm not fertile. God can't bless me, I'm not married. God can't bless me, the business failed. God can't bless me, I was in too much sin before I met Jesus. No, no friend. Nothing can stop God. Hear me. Nothing can stop God. And he cannot lie. He cannot lie. I mean, he left for Egypt. But now he leaves Egypt. I mean, he go, leaves the, 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 the famine in his promised land, winds up in Egypt. Now he's in a famine he don't have any grace for. So, of course, he loses his wife. Loses his dignity, loses his promise. It's better to stand in the famine you got grace for than go become slave of someone else in their famine. We got to stand in the word of God for our lives. He lost his land, thought he was going to lose his life, almost lost his wife. We just give all our promises to the devil because we're too scared to trust God. We take things into our own hands thinking God needs our help. See, faith is a journey. And we need to be nourished on this faith journey. We have to come to church, got to read our Bible, we got to pray to hear and understand what God is saying so we can come under His blessing. We have to position ourselves. We have to position ourselves to stand under the blessings of God. Amen. God is trying to teach us the same thing He was teaching Abraham. I truly believe this. God is actively trying to teach us the same thing he was trying to teach Abraham. God can be God without your help. Hear me. God can be God without your help. And for those of you who 
are a perfectionist type and you think, oh, I got to get everything right in order for God to bless me. I got to get everything figured out. He created the world without any of your help. Everything that happened up until today, he did without any of your help. I'm pretty sure he's got tomorrow under control. My Bible says that while you were still sinning, Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins. He did not need your help to conquer sin. God can be God without your help. Some of you need to wake up in the morning, look at the mirror, and just say, God is God and you are not. And God can be God without your help. I am going to follow and obey everything he tells me to do today, but no matter whether I get it right or I get it wrong, he will still be God. He will be completely unaffected by my decisions. Amen. God doesn't need uh, our ideas or our help. Just don't deviate from what he says. All you got to do is just do what he says. All we got to do is follow him. All we got to do is just get to know him. Don't look to other gods for your provision. God was trying to teach Abraham, listen, you went out into the desert and you failed. You miserably failed the faith test that I put before you. But I think God knew that he was going to fail. And I definitely know that God did not give up on him the first time he failed. He got it wrong, didn't trust God, took things into his own hands. But he's in the book as a father of faith, so we know there's more to the story. Amen? And there's more that we can learn from this. So he sets Abram up for another test. You know the saying we like to say, you never fail a test with God. You just keep taking it over and over again until you pass. Right? Like you never really fail the test. You just keep taking it. And God is like, hey, we can do this as many times as you want. We can just keep going through the same cycle if you want. But one day I'm believing that you are going to pass. Now, in order to pass the test that God has given you, you're going to have to do some things differently. That means you might need to take some new people's opinions into account. You might need to get some new counsel. You might need to read the Bible a little different than you've been reading it. You might need to listen a little more attentively to what God is saying. You might need to be able to say, that was not actually God. Let me find out the true word of the Lord for my life. But we find here in Genesis chapter 14, turn there if you would please, Genesis chapter 14 verse 18, if you got your Bible. This is going to be good. Are, Are you with me? Are we tracking this morning? Are we tracking this morning? Listen, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. All right, ready? Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. <clears throat> now, you remember, Duke taught in this earlier. I had to tell him to stop. Don't preach my message here. Lot was, re- was a rebellious son, even though he was a nephew. He was a rebellious son, and so he lost his blessing. Abraham was the one with God's covenant. Lot was a beneficiary of the covenant. The source was Abram's covenant with God, but Lot took it on himself. But Abram, being a good man, went and rescued Lot from captivity. Risked his own life to save him, brings him out, right? <clears throat> when he comes out, Abram comes out with money, comes out with people. Then a king comes to him and says, hey, you know, I think he's saying, listen, don't, don't conquer me, right? Like, I, can we be friends? Let's just be friends, right? Your power, let's just be friends. And, uh, And uh, so one king blessed him. Verse 18, the second king comes. It says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Of course, a a, a preview of communion. Now, he was a priest of God Most High. Right? Now, the word there, the Hebrew, is El Elyon. El Elyon. These are two gods of the Canaanite religion. El Elyon. El, of course, being the one. Elyon is Most High. These are two gods, El Elyon. They decided to combine it into one name, El Elyon, the one most high, right? And so he was a priest of El Elyon, God most high. And it says, excuse me, Melchizedek blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of El Elyon, possessor of heaven and earth. And, And Melchizedek blessed, he says, and blessed be El Elyon, 
who delivered your enemies into your hand. Melchizedek gave him, or excuse me, Abram gave him a tenth of all. The king of Sodom said to Abram, give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. I'm like, this is, this is super important. I'm going to drag it out a little bit. Don't get bored. This is, there's a good point here at the end. I promise you, right? So, Melchizedek is here. He's like, God most high, the God of our land. You came into our land, and they believed gods were regional in those days. Regional areas had regional gods. You came into this land, and our God, El Elyon, blessed you, and he gave you uh, 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 victory. He delivered people into your hands. He says, um, our God, El Elyon, who owns heaven and earth, blessed you. Heaven and earth blessed you, right? And so Abram said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to show honor to all people, because I understand honor. And since he was the king of the land, for a minute, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, right? He gave a tenth of the spoils to Melchizedek, and Melchizedek said, here's what you can do. You can keep uh, all of it. Everything else you can keep, and uh, just give me the people, right? And so, 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 so what do we do with this scripture? You know, I, don't you love it? Don't you love it when um, people talk like they're Christians? Don't, don't you love it when you like watching an award show and like your favorite artist stands up and says, you know, I, I just I just, you know, wrote this entire song about being a drug dealer or a prostitute. And I just want to give glory to God for all the success that I had from this song glorifying this defiling act that I'm encouraging people to do. I just want to give glory to God for the success I've had in getting 13-year-old girls to twerk on TikTok to this. I just want to give glory to God for, for glorifying just this, un, this debased, completely God-denying lifestyle. I just want to give glory to God for giving me power to do all this. And you, you, you know, the question that I have to ask is, what God are you giving glory to? Now, we're talking the same language, but we ain't talking about the same God. I promise you, I'm, I'm, I'm not speaking judgment over anyone, but I promise you ain't a time in history that the Holy Ghost of God came into a, a room and said, you ought to make a song about your reproductive organs. I, I don't think it's ever happened. I don't think, I, I just have to believe in the history of everything that's never happened. Are you feeling me? But like, I just want to thank God. And I'm, I'm God's like, oh, who's that God? I'd, lo- I'd love to know who you're talking about because it ain't me. It ain't got nothing to do with me. We love it like, oh, they're giving glory to God. Oh, that's a, what God? <laughs> like, like, this is not just some Old Testament thing. Like, this is right now. Who are you actually worshiping? Because it ain't Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins. That, that is not who you're giving glory to for this because he is not being glorified in, in this, 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 this craziness. Russia has invaded the Ukraine, and they're saying, God has given us a mandate to take over Ukraine. And I'm like, what God? You need to find that God, and you need to kill him. And you need to worship the one true God, Jesus Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, we, oh, whoa, oh we're going to thank God that these homosexuals were murdered in this club because they're sin. What God told you to do that? Not my God, not the living God, not the one who died on the cross for the sins of all mankind. He did not tell you to do that. No, 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 he did not. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, but they're living sinfully. Sorry, all means all, right? He did not tell you to kill any of them. the, The one I follow is Jesus, and he didn't try to start a government. He didn't pick up guns. He didn't start murdering people. He actually laid down his life, and he washed the feet of people who would not even worship him. That is my God. I don't know who you're giving glory to. So people love to talk like Christians, and all the Christians are like, oh, look, he said Jesus. Like, I don't know what, you might be talking about Jesus, because Jesus don't do that. That ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. That ain't got nothing to do with Jesus, right? Like, let's just, I don't know. Maybe that's a dude who, who's, I don't know, runs a restaurant down the street. I don't know, but that ain't my God. They love to talk like Christians, but, but that, ain't, that ain't Christian. A lot of people are saying, like, they're Christians when their life looks nothing like Christ. That's, that's, that's what Melchizedek sounds like here. Now, Paul uses this Melchizedek uh, lineage later. If, and we can unpack that at another time. James also refers to it, and we can unpack that at another time. He uses this uh, priesthood 
uh, of having no beginning and no end for purposes later. And, 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 and yes, they're, yes. However, in this context, this, we ain't worshiping the same God. And we got to be able to tell people, um, yeah, and I'm not judging you at all, but no. No, that's insanity. What you're saying right now, um, okay, I don't want to go down that road because I'm going to get in some dangerous land here. I'm going to get in some dangerous, dangerous, dangerous land. And you know what? Since I'm in dangerous land, let's just go there for a second. Can we just go there for a second? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk politics at all, right? I have, no, I have, I have nothing to gain in politics. Um, on January 6th of last year, some people murdered police officers, assaulted people protecting our country, and they said Jesus told them to do it. I stood in this pulpit. I said, no one with the spirit of Christ is in charge of any of that. Anybody who's been lying about the election being stolen, if you say it long enough and you know it's a lie, you ain't saved. If you can lie unapologetically that long, cause death and violence, you ain't saved. I said that right here. I had people leave the church, write me letters. You hurt my feelings. I'm like, well, the prophetic word of the Lord has come then. Because if you lie and people are murdered because of your lie and you did not publicly repent, you are probably not saved. That, I mean, the fear of the Lord needs to come upon you when your lies cause people to die. It's like, oh, so you're saying Republicans are going to hell? I didn't, I didn't make any connection at all. That's a connection you made. Now, in your heart, if Republican means we get to murder police officers, you need to repent and follow Jesus. I'm not making that connection. This has nothing to do with Republican, Democrat, liberal, Green Party. I don't know what other parties we got, right? And I'm just saying, if you lie enough and you cause people to get murdered, what's, you better find out what God you're following. Hallelujah. Okay, I said it. I'm good now. I just want to be out there. If you're going to leave because of that, you want to be able to murder police officers. This is the wrong church. If you want, if you want, if you want uh, Jesus to bless you in murdering police officers, wrong church. Wrong church. I'm sure there's one down the street you can find. That says God wants that. I don't know what Bible they're using, but whatever. Are we okay? Let's just take a breath for a second. Okay, that was a little intense. And I want to say one more thing. I'm going to go completely off script right here. You can be pro-justice and pro-life at the same time. Don't let anybody lie to you and tell you different. It's all in the Bible. I just followed Jesus. Jesus, you can't do it without him. If you want to do it without him, you better find a political party. Okay. Are we good? Are we okay? Can you still love me? I mean, you have to if you want to go to heaven, right? <laughs> Got to love your brothers and sisters to go to heaven. Whether you like it or not, I'm a brother. So these guys believe that God, their God, was the one that blessed Abram. Now, the God of the Canaanites, this is important promised people land and fertility. What did Abram need? He needed his wife to be fertile, and he needed land. And these guys were going to give him a shortcut to the blessing. Just, 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 you know, just follow us. Turn this stone into bread, and I'll give you. And Abram's like, um, uh, no, um, no. See, King Melchizedek said that God was king of heaven and earth. Remember that. Melchizedek is the king of Salem, which many theologians believe is Jerusalem. And he's a priest of the Most High, El Elyon. So over Jerusalem at the time was a god, El Elyon, and there was a seat of authority of a kingdom for the king of Jerusalem dedicated to El Elyon. So what does Abram do about this? Verse 22, watch this. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Watch this, this is important. Leave it right here. Oh, this is so good. I'm about to get very excited. Let me just finish the verse. That He says, I have sworn to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours, for fear that you would say, I have made Abram rich. I'll take nothing except the young men 
and, you know, whatever food's in their belly, right? Whatever they ate, I'm taking that too. I'm not giving that back. And the share of the men who went with me and the rest, let them take their share. Go back for one verse, if you would, please. One more. Bam, Shazam. So, so watch this. This is, this is like, this is like, these stories are so rich, and it's, it's so amazing. It's, it's just so full. So, so, so Melchizedek says, hey, I'm so glad that El Elyon, God Most High, blessed you. Here, here, since we're both worshiping him, and you're going to give glory to El Elyon about your victory, here, let me give you all this money now that you're in my group. And uh, Abraham says, I don't want none of this. I don't, I don't worship El Elyon. Guess what I worship? I worship the Bible right here in, in Hebrew says, I worship Yahweh, Lord Most High. Yahweh El Elyon. See, you got an El Elyon, but it ain't the El Elyon. I worship Yahweh, the Lord Most High. You may worship capitalism. I worship Jesus Christ. You may worship social justice. I worship Jesus Christ. You may worship pro-life. I worship Jesus Christ. And everything good is on the inside of him, including the one who is the God Most High. And he says, there is a God Most High. I do agree with you on that. But his name is not what you think it is. It is Yahweh El Elyon. Your God is subservient to my God. And anything that you give your God glory for could actually be found in my God. My God is the God of fertility. My God is the God who promises land. My God is the God of the heavens and the earth. So you could keep all that stuff because you're going to need it. I got a God who's going to give me more than that. Say amen. I don't need false gods because anything that your false God could give, my God could give me with blessing. When you receive it from a false God, you receive it with curses. Hallelujah. He's like, I'm not taking nothing from you. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to take my people and I am going to dip. This is the fear of the Lord. This is the fear of the Lord. I knew a guy one time who grew up in um, Santeria. And um, as part of a uh, as, as part of a Santeria ritual one time, he, uh, uh, his parents, his, trigger warning, if you love goats, right? Uh, he, he, um, his grandma sacrificed a goat, and they poured the blood on him, and he drank some of the blood from the goat, and his hand got healed. So to him, that's a confirmation that this Santeria was real. And he's like, well, what about that? What about the fact I got healed? I'm like, well, if you think magic shows are the proof who's God, then David Copperfield should be, you know, your, your pastor. Like, it takes more than magic shows to be God. There are prophets all over America today doing magic shows who are not operating under the Holy Ghost. They're operating under a familiar spirit. I was in a meeting one time, and he's like telling people, oh, look, now I, I, I'm, we're all on a journey here, right? And they're like, oh, Man, you, 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 your name is Cessia. You went to the University of Central Florida. Moved from your family to go there. And then you moved back to where you came from. Did you learn anything you didn't already know? Does that sound like Jesus to you? I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff you already knew. Oh, it must be God. Wait a minute, I already knew that. I didn't come here for you to tell me my address. I drive there every day. And so, like, like I, I, I already know my address. What, what does that have to do with Jesus? What, 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 what? Like, who's being glorified in this, in this thing right here, right? When we start discerning the prophetic word of the Lord, I told you this last week, I want you to hear this week, who is benefiting from this? So if I am telling you your age and weight and how much you, you know, not your weight, that probably wouldn't benefit most people, wouldn't bless them. But, you know, we come up with these crazy words of knowledge. I'm like, wait a minute, who's being glorified right now? I mean, we all know Jesus knows my address. That's, I mean, I'm not surprised about that. But you know my address. Why, why are we glorifying you? What spirit are you operating under that you're being glorified? How is Jesus being glorified in any of this? Now, I just... Just get free. I want, I want the fear of the Lord to confirm that Jesus has spoken to me. You ever been in prayer and Jesus walked into the room and you got stuck to the floor and the fear of the Lord came upon you and instantly two things happened. I'm telling you, every time I have actually encountered Jesus Christ, two things happen to me. Number one, I start all my sin is revealed in my heart. Everything I've got, I've come short of. Like, God, I should be nicer to my wife. 
I should be nicer to my kids. I should be more faithful. Like, like, like this fear of the Lord comes to my heart. And this immense, immense love floods me. Like, God, I can't, I can't believe I'm offended with that person, Lord. I just, I see how you love. I want to love like you love. But these, these, these current magic shows, what they do is they make you love the prophet. That ain't God. Now, I'm not saying they're all operating under a funky spirit. I'm just saying it's time to start testing the word of the Lord in this, in this, in this country. Amen. All right. Well, that's, that's, that's a free loom right there. So this fear of the Lord, this, this, this Abram, he's like, I refuse to rob credit from God. God wants to show the world that he is the one true God. And there's a battle for your soul. Will you stay faithful to truth? Faithful to the one true God, Jesus Christ, even when he is telling you stuff you don't like? Will you stay faithful? Now, Abram is, 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 is starting to get it here, right? He failed the test the first time, tried to get a blessing some other way, but he, he, he's not going to do it twice. And so this is what we need to get from this passage. Now, I need you to focus because now we're, we're coming in for a landing here. This is what I want you to get. Even when it seems like our life will be better to sin against God, we need to choose Jesus. Even when it feels like if I just lie a little bit, things will get a little bit better, we need to choose Jesus. Even when we're like, well, a little compromise won't hurt, a little compromise will hurt a whole lot. Because either we're choosing him or not. Listen, when we choose Jesus, we choose to walk in his promises. Come on, somebody. When we choose Jesus, we choose to walk in his promises. Abraham gave up the money, but look what he got. This next verse. Now, this is where we started. Verse 15, verse 1. Watch this. Now, after these things... Now you know the, these things we're talking about. We're talking about he gave up his promise. He gave up his land. He struggled in Egypt. Almost lost his wife. Comes back. Has to fight a war. A, a false deity wants him to give up his promise. And he chooses God. And then the Bible says, after these things, after he passed the test of faith, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not fear. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be not great, very great. I'll take very mediocre, right? Like I'll take, I'll take a mediocre God blessing. But he said very great. Are, are, are you getting something here? So Abram starts complaining to God after this. After all this, he starts complaining to God. He's like, God, oh, you say you're going to bless me, but um, how can I get a reward you haven't given me any kids. He starts, now he starts blaming God for his promises, for his, for his problems, right? You haven't given me any kids. Uh, my son, the son of a slave, is going to get everything when I die. You know, and, and, and here's the question. Here's the question over you. Here's the question over me. All this has been an introduction for this one point, right? I, I need you to hear this. This is good. Can the closed womb of the present break open to give birth to a new future? Abram's, Abraham's wife, is infertile. She could not have a child. But could this closed womb break forth to birth a new future? Could your current circumstance that looks dead end break forth and birth a new future? It looks like there is no way that you can be blessed, but could it break forth a new future? God promises Abraham, God promises and Abram states it's beyond his understanding and wants God to make it easier for him to understand. Like, I don't get how you can do this, God. Make it easy for me to understand. Here's what God says in verse 4. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this man, meaning the son of your slave, Eleazar. Abram was scared that Eleazar was going to get the inheritance. This man shall not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took Abram outside and said, Now look toward the heavens. Count the stars, if you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Remember when Melchizedek said that his God was a God of the heavens? You see, there's a false God who wants to steal a promise from you that only God could give. The real God said, look up into heaven. See those stars? You think the womb is closed, but I am the God of all these stars. 
Abraham, Abram got a promise from God. It's like a reward, right? Like he, like, it's like a reward. He, 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 the rewards must be articulated as the generous response of God to those who heed his call and share his life. This is what is offered Abram in the face of barrenness. He's living in barrenness, and God gives him a promise. God again promises, but instead of making sense of it all to Abram, he tells him to look at the stars. Get this. If I could have the worship team come up. God is not trying to convince Abram that he's going to give him a son. That's not his goal. It's bigger. It's bigger. It's bigger. He's revealing to Abraham not just that he's going to give him a son. He's revealing to Abram who he is. Abram had no idea the stars Melchizedek said belonged to his God would be the stars that the one true God would use to mark their covenant. In Psalm 8 it says, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The God who can create awe beyond wonder can create a family for Abram. The God who can create the stars can create a new future for you. The God who created every star in heaven, every quasar, every black hole, every galaxy can bring you into the promise, can redeem your past. He can bring you into a fertile future. He can keep you prosperous. This is the God who's trying to reach you today. This is revelation. It doesn't make sense to anyone else, but it communicates between you and God. We grow in faith. We grow in faith. We, we don't know how God made the stars. We don't know how Abram received the promise, but we know re Abram received the promise. See, receiving God requires faith, and there's always room in receiving God for doubt. He'll always have a Melchizedek in your life offering you something that looks like God, but is God. He'll always have a, a reason to doubt that God said what he said. He'll always leave a little bit of room in your life to say, maybe I got it wrong because it takes faith. Receiving God requires faith and there's always room for doubt. Abraham had to, Abraham had to choose faith. Watch this. Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 6. Here's what happens. Then Abram believed in the Lord, Yahweh. Believed in Yahweh and he reckoned it, God reckoned it to Abram as righteousness. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I studied the entire Hebrew of this scripture. And it's so much deeper than this. It's so much deeper than this. Literally, you could say, then Abram, amen inside Yahweh. Abram saw who Yahweh was and said, Amen. Believed is like, you know, I believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4. This is not that. This is, I have come to recognize who Yahweh is. And I said, Amen. I agree. This is who you are. Abram agreed with who Yahweh was. And when Abram agreed with who Yahweh was, literally this next phrase you can, you can translate as righteousness was his reward. When he believed who Yahweh was, he was rewarded with righteousness. He was rewarded with faith. You see, grace, the ability to do things, and faith, amening inside Yahweh, are connected eternally. When you amen inside Yahweh, your reward is righteousness. Right standing with God. Standing in the midst of the Trinity. Partaking in the life of God. And being able to manifest His promises to you and through you for the whole world. And this is the battle that's happening in your life. This is the battle that's happening in this church. This is the battle that's happening in the Big C Church all over the world. Will we believe who Yahweh has said He is and let that be enough so we can be the righteousness of God on the earth? Amen. Watch this. 
after Abram conceded, you are the true God. And I amen that. Then God says, verse 7, and then God said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Earl of the Chaldeans to give you the land and to possess it. Hear me. You ever felt like you were just wandering? You ever feel like you messed it up before? You don't know if you follow God or not? You don't, you don't know how you got here? We told you the prophets show up the scene to say, hey, 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 this, 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 is, this is how God sees what happened. This is where you are. This is where you're going. And most of us can't really answer how we got here. Like, did I follow God? Did I mess up? Was it my sin? What, what was it? And so Abram went through all this drama, like, what am I even doing in the promised land? After Abram surrendered to God, God answered the question. Oh, by the way, when your family left, when your family left Babel, when, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when your family marched across the land and you came up to the promised land, and you did, guess what? That was me. I've been with you this whole time. It wasn't until he amened Yahweh and gave his life to him that God said, now let me help you understand what's been going on all along. Let me lift the confusion. Let me lift the worry. Let me lift the fear. Let me lift the doubt. Stop, stop blaming your spouse. Stop blaming your mama. Stop blaming the kids. I am the one who've been orchestrating some of this conflict so you can learn to trust me. It wasn't until Abram put his faith in God that he realized God had been leading his family all along. It wasn't their own decision. And there are plans and dreams and pathways of God that are happening right now that you will not be able to see until you put your faith in God. He is leading you. He's leading me. He's leading this church. And in that leading, hear me, some people get scattered. But those who are faithful to God are on a journey to the promise. Some people get scattered, but those who put their faith in God are on a journey to the promise. I want you today to leave this place putting your trust in God. I want you to hope that in the midst of whatever, whatever mud pit you're living in right now that you have created, whatever, whatever little sphere of confusion and doubt, whatever... whatever place of turmoil, whatever a barren land that you find yourself in. I want you to put your hope in God. The enemy wants you to be so scared, wants you to be so confused. The enemy wants you to beat yourself up for not getting it right all this time. He wants you to hate you because you look like your daddy. You look like your daddy in heaven and he hates it. And so he wants you to hate you as well. I want you to be nice to yourself. And I want you to hope. Dr. Antipas Harris said this. Our hope is our defiance in the face of opposition. Our hope is our defiance in the face of opposition. The devil wants you to give up. And I want you to say, like, I refuse to give up. Let's say it together. I refuse to give up. I know what God has told me to do. I refuse to give up. I, 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 I ain't surrendering the call of God on my life for nobody. Do what you want to do. I, I, I'll be right here preaching the gospel. And if this building falls down, I'll be in the parking lot preaching the gospel. And if they tell me to get out the parking lot, I'll be in my front yard preaching the gospel. Because I got a promise from God, and it's going to come to pass in my life. And you got a promise from God. And you need to stand firm until we see God bring that promise to pass. I'm not going to look back and say, did I get it wrong? I said, no, no, no. God, I know I'm not done because all my promises haven't come to pass yet. I'm still grinding. I'm still moving. I'm still putting my faith in God. I'm still trusting. I'm still sowing. I'm still blessing. I'm still serving. I refuse to give up on God because He refuses to give up on me. Stand with me if you would. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Romans chapter 5, Paul said it like this and we'll close. Perseverance, proven character, and proven character leads to hope. Watch this. Verse 5. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Ghost who was given to us. When you receive Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you, there is a Holy Ghost hope that you receive. 
And I'm here today to tell you to stir it up a little bit. To put your hope in God. God is leading you. God is leading this church. There are promises that we are set to come into. There are promises that we're going to begin walking into. And we are going to trust God to bring it to pass. Come on, let's sing this real quick. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Great is your faithfulness to me. Come on, say it like you mean it. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Yes, Lord Jesus. Come on, come on. I declare in my heart that you're a faithful God and I can put my hope in you. first time or you need to put it anew. What we're going to do is I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You're going to tell Jesus that I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm walking with you. I'm going to follow you. Repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Jesus. Everybody together, Jesus. I put my faith in you. I've gotten it wrong. I haven't followed you well. But today, I declare you are my God. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Fill me with your Holy Ghost. And I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, give a clap offer to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, if you're a first-time guest or you prayed that for the first time, we got some people in the lobby who want to talk to you. Get just give you some free stuff to help you on your way. Fill out a connection card. Don't leave without doing this. I love you. I will see you Wednesday uh, at noon on Insta Live here. I like to do a prayer with you, but let's just hug somebody, and if you feel the anointing of God, if God has blessed your finances, take somebody to lunch. Take somebody broke to lunch and say, let me take you to lunch today. Be the answer to somebody's prayer. We love you. If you need prayer, we'll have some people who would love to pray with you, but if not, just hug somebody and have an amazing week. God bless you. Thank you for those online.